All right. I think we are live. Good afternoon. Happy Thursday to everybody around the country. And uh, welcome to Daring Live on a sunny California Thursday afternoon. Uh, let me mute myself here. And we are good to go. Today, actually, I will start with yesterday. Yesterday, we announced our partnership with GHS Strings. Um, as our string supplier for our banjos, which is a really, really exciting time for us as a company. Uh, it's been many months in the making, so we thought it would be very cool to have a very informal chat about strings with two people who know a lot about that subject. Um, with me today, we have Mr. Jens Kruger, um, and we also have Mr. John Moody of GHS Strings. Um, Jens, of course, is probably one of the most prolific banjo players in the world. Uh, and guru of all things technical and science when it comes to the banjo, particularly when it comes to deering banjos. Um, John is the manager of digital brand development and product development at GHS Strings. And welcome both of you to Deering Live. Oh, thanks. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. All right. It's a pleasure. So let's kick it off, Jens. I know you got a banjo <clears throat> in your hand. Hold it yeah. up real quick. What, what are you holding? Just so we know. I just hold, I hold, the, I hold the eagle too. Uh, an eagle deering. But it's not a regular eagle too. Is that your nice eagle too? Uh, that's my nice eagle too. And actually, you know, Greg uh, uh, carved carved the heel and made me a nice one. And it's got an oil finish, so it's and it actually sounds good. Right, play, play us a little. Play us a little song. about some strings today um yes, for yes. anyone just just joining and thanks everybody for, for joining us today i'm watching you um let's start off um i want to start with you jens and and by the way just so people didn't know david is here as well david say hi real quick yeah can't hear you that's okay the uh so david benjraski is with me but um jens for me as, as, as maybe a musician who isn't quite as uh, up there in the realms of incredibleness that you are, um, there's a lot of people out there that really kind of underestimate the importance of strings, particularly good strings, right? They kind of see a set of strings and, and, and a lot of people know what's going on with them, but there's a lot of people that don't. And so can you break it down for us? Like what's, particularly as it relates to a banjo, what's going on with the strings um, as far as the physics of it? Um, but also how different strings affect the tone, different metals and that kind of thing. Give us your, your rundown. Well, basically, you know, um, 
when you start off playing an instrument, you don't really hear the difference that much, you know, between different strings, um, because you sometimes some people keep on the factory strings, you know, from some instrument they just bought somewhere and and they're fine with it. But after a while, you start to realize, you know, that uh, you cannot tune them really well, and uh, they just they sound really dead and dull, and. Um, um, and then you have to replace them. And that's really when you have your first question about what kind of strings should I get? And um, I, I think, you know, a good, a good string is packed well. I mean, that sounds a little <laughs> strange, but, you know, there's, there's, you can get strings that are quite old and they already, you know, have a patina on them. And um, uh, they, they also age a lot faster because you put them on. And um, then they... Uh, start to rust you know i mean they hurt your fingers because they get corrosion they have corrosion on them and um get corroded and it's just not comfortable to play so i mean there's there's quite a, a lot of string makers out there who have really good string but on a banjo it actually boils down to the core string that are that is used you know so uh, because they, we don't use many wound strings we have one wound string as the fourth string on the banjo and usually that's um, uh, a steel wound or a nickel wound or something like that matter. It's usually not phosphor bronze or something like that. But the other strings, you know, the, the, the plain steel strings, and then you can really hear the quality of the material itself. Some of them, you know, um, uh, let's say uh, you, you try a, a Dunlop set or, or a Diodario set or a GHS set, um, they will sound. Uh, they will sound different. They they will have a different feel to them. For instance, you know, GH, GHS has uh, more fundamental compared to Diadario, which usually has more overtones. Um, you know, uh, more it's it's a different tech sound in the overtone spectrum a little bit. And um, uh, on the other hand, um, uh, Dunlop might be um, the string is feels stiffer. Even though it's the same thickness, so so there's a there's a different um, and you have to get used to a string and you start you start to like it you know and for me as a as a player it's the the reliability of the string is most important I need to rely on it that I if I change the string that it's every time pretty much the same as it was so um, and then you need to find the right gauge for for your instrument and for your playing if somebody plays really hard he might need thicker strings and um, uh, that's not the only criteria you also need uh, the right set for what kind of music you're playing for instance if you need more sustain on a string you and you you need more expression on a single string and more sustain you probably need a thicker string you know and uh, if you want more note separation and the, the string to die out quicker, you might want to find a thinner string, you know. So these are all factors. And and you have to, a good bet is that you look what your heroes are playing, you know, the tone that you're looking for, and then uh, go from there. And maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that makes perfect sense. And then just talk us through real quick um, before I get uh, ask John a couple of questions. You're playing your banjo, you strike the string. What is happening? What are the physics that's happening between the relationship between the string, the resonance of the bridge, and how the sound is created? Because I know that's something that you're really interested in, in kind of discussing and, and making sure that people understand. Well, um, it's, a, it's, it's basically, you know, a string is basically a high-carbon steel. And it's uh, it's elastic. It has elasticity to it. You know, it doesn't break. It's uh, uh, that easy. So it can actually bend 
and goes back to where it was pretty much, right? And and so most of the wire that gets used, I'm not not saying everything, is actually uh, most wire that gets produced, it gets produced for car tire industry. You know, it's uh, basically car tire industry, wire, high carbon steel for the, for the tires. And um, then there's companies who pull the string, you know, who, who actually pull the string into different diameters, um, uh, you know, and... Um, and that process of uh, pulling the string is, we're going to talk about that later, but that's a very difficult process because while you do that, when you have, let's say you have a gift wrapping and you take the little um, uh, little uh, ribbon and you sort of take a, a scissor and you pull it and you get a little squirrel, a little, you know, how do you call that? Little, like, a, like, a, like a spiral. Like a, a little well, spiral yeah, thing. Ribbon, yeah. and, and that happens to a string when you pull it, right? Through a hole, basically. And, and then you have to relax the string again. And mm -hmm. the machines that relax the string are crucial to what happens to the string afterwards. Because if it's not properly relaxed, you will have a lot more overtones or under, un, not in control overtones. You can't see that from the outside of the string, but you can really f hear it instantly. Now, um, anyway, that, that was, but what happens, you strike the string, the string moves, moves out. That means it needs to stretch, you know, because mm -hmm. it can't, you know, it needs to stretch. And then it goes back, goes to the other side. It's like a pendulum goes back and forth. And that energy then goes onto the bridge and the bridge, you know, moves accordingly to the string. And then that that sound gets transferred to the head or to the guitar top or you know whatnot and and then puts into air uh, puts these vibrations into air with the coloration of the construction of the instrument and um, and let's say if you have a very thick string if you let's say would, would take a hugely thick string you would start to hear more and more of the self sound of the string because the string has a metallic sound to it so actually a thinner string has less of itself noise, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why mm -hmm. a lot of electric guitar players prefer these days, not like in the 80s where they had, you know, 11s like Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, or 12s or 13s, you know, on the, on the guitar. Um, today, you know, a lot of people, you know, play like 8s or 9s, you know, uh, where the string itself has the least self sound, you know, uh, in comparison to the length and the mass it's got, right? And um, because it becomes a marimba at one point, if you would, you know, exaggerate the idea of the string. And, um, uh, but what happens is basically that you have a, a flexible uh, high carbon wire that is, is stretching back and forth. And you want that to be as even and as precise as possible, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah, no, that's not, that's that's perfect. Thank you very much. And you've been playing GHS strings for a number of years now. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head which set you've been. Well, I've I'm, uh, you know I've what uh, I always was a Sonny Osborne fan, you know, a banjo mm -hmm. uh, playing, and he has a uh, he had a set that he promoted once in a banjo newsletter. I think that was in 1980 or 1981 or something, and um, and I just ordered these strings from America took forever. I went to a music store in Zurich. You know, you can hear my accent. This is before uh, Amazon, right? That was way before Amazon, <laughs> before I owned a credit card. <laughs> and, and so I went to a music store and I had to wait, you know, for these GHS drinks, I think two or three months. And uh, then they arrived and I put them on my banjo and I really didn't like them because they were a little bit too heavy compared to what I, and my banjo wasn't just 
was just not a good enough instrument to really, you know, carry with these strings. And I was a little disappointed, but I was such a fan of Sonny Osborne that I was just stuck with the strings. You know, I just, I just loved them, got used to them. And I still play the Sonny Osborne set, basically, you know, it's like an 11, a 12, 13, 22, 11. And that's been going on for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. So that segues wonderfully into uh, Mr. John Moody. Are you there? You I am here. Excellent. Well, uh, first of all, you know, Jens touched a little bit on the importance of, you know, when you're picking a, a set of strings. Right. Um, one of the things that really kind of uh, got us going with, with GHS was, was your nitro packaging. Oh, yeah. Um, and sure. so before we jump into that, though, tell us a little bit. How long have you been with GHS now? I have been with GHS for just a little bit over seven years. Okay. Um, I started, you know, uh, I came through it originally as an artist endorser myself because I'm a, I'm a bass player first uh, in the uh, musical theater scene here. So and I just kind of lucked into starting out as the social media position mm -hmm. and then just kind of as I'm learning everything, um, learning how things are done, um, kind of get taken under the wing of the guy that was the product development person who was uh, at that point kind of semi-retired. He'd come in a couple of days and things, and he would start walking me through, okay, this is what, you know, how you take a string from the beginning to the end. And here's all the procedures we do in place. Here's how things are wound. Here's the considerations and stuff. And so when it came to be time for uh, him to fully retire, when he decided he'd rather go fishing instead of come in. So um, okay. he told the boss, he says, you know, um, John's already got it. Just let him take this ball and run with it. He'll do great. Wow. So, yeah, and that's uh, so I've been officially in that position. I want to say about three years now. Mm -hmm. Very good. And how much of that position is involved, like working with companies such as Deering or other other string instrument uh, manufacturers involves, and, and people it, like Jens, for example? Um, it involves a lot, you know, because um, there it's we're not a huge company, so there's always a little bit of bleed over in terms of you know positions and things but yeah um it's very much uh product development is a lot of artist relations and things of talking with people like yens and and to find out what their needs are on the instrument and how we can um either do that with strings we already have or start talk a conversation of okay what are some things we could do to make something like that and that goes along the same lines with uh like a company such as deering that would come and say hey this is what we're looking to do and we can start that conversation of, okay this is how we can do it here are the options we have that we all you know that either we currently do or hey this is what we can do to make something special for you guys mm -hmm. that's really cool that's really cool and that was again one of the things that, that we liked about ghs the most was that that kind of smaller company relationship um mm -hmm. you putting the emphasis on on customer expectations producing a quality product that the kind of complements what we feel is our, comp our, our, our product, which is a high quality product right. um, and, and making it sound as good as we can. So we're, we're really, really thrilled to be um, having joined forces earlier this year. And uh, as you know, we, we announced the packs yesterday. We've got yes. more, more product lines hopefully to be announced later on this year. Um, Mr. Kruger's ant eagerly anticipating that conversation. <laughs> right, um, right. We'll, we'll take care of that, I'm sure. But um, packaging. Yeah. That was one of the first things Jens said as far as when you're picking your strings, good packaging, longevity, being mm -hmm. fresh. And in fact, I've already had one question from Will H. Um, and maybe you can segue this in. What is sure. the shelf life of a new unopened pack of Gearing GHS strings? Which, of course, incorporates 
The Nitro Pack. The Nitro Pack. So, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the Nitro Pack was something that came out. We did it about four years ago in 2016. Actually, the first person that uh, helped prototype for us was um, was David Gilmore. Actually, his uh, his guitar wow. tech. Um, because it was, it was the same thing, you know, uh, we'll send stuff to people um, on the road, sometimes in just long sleeves, if they like it like that. But sometimes a lot of uh, techs like to have everything in, in individual envelopes, like you would get at a store. So we would do that. And he was finding because um, just some of the hum- humidity areas where he was, they were traveling, um, like Jens was saying, some of those strings, if it's not um, protected correctly can start to corrode in the packaging while you're waiting just because the air will get into it and things like that. So we found this um, uh, this way to make them just called Nitro Pack, which really is just you put them in just a little sleeve and it, it's and it's shut. It's almost, I want to say the machine that uh, makes it um, for us originally used is also used in the coffee industry for sealing bags of coffee. So basically what happens is the, the little um, the little sleeve that we have comes in, they throw the, the string in there, um, and then it's heat sealed. But uh, what we do is in order to uh, in order to open that that sleeve up so the string can go in, uh, we actually puff nitrogen in, into that. And nitrogen obviously it has um, you know is is not corrosive at all. Yeah. Um, so in that environment, it's completely oxygen free. So because of that, it answers the, the issues we ever had with any of our artists that would be like traveling anywhere. Like um, our South American artists have noticed a huge difference in that kind of thing. Um, obviously, uh, Dave Gilmore's tech was ecstatic about it. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, because, hey, we, we don't have to throw away any of these strings anymore. They're perfect. Um, and uh, we... And so we made the joke before, and this goes to the question, is that you could keep these strings on your shelf in a closet, wherever you want, probably for decades. You know, we'd obviously, we hope you don't, you know, we want you to play them. (laughs) But um, because it's a completely oxygen-free environment, there um, there is nothing that's going to affect those for a very, very long time. That's... That's pretty amazing, actually. And I hope that answers the question. That was longer than I was actually expecting. And I have a set here. I don't know whether you can see it. So this is the foil pack that they now come in. I just completely tore the front of that by mistake, so apologies there. But what John's talking about are the, the nitro sets, right? So yep. each string is 10, 21, 13, 11, 10, and they're completely sealed yep. inside with, the pack. With a nice clear on the back so you can actually see the string. And... Um, which we've, which actually a lot of people have, have really, they've said that's the, been the, one of the biggest um, benefits they they feel because they can look through it and find it's it ex- as easily through the front or the back. I I, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. You know, that's really cool. That's that's a that's a great explanation. Thanks, John. Yeah, you're um, welcome, David. I'm going to have you uh, jump in for a minute while I do some uh, stuff on the back end here, if you don't mind. Yeah. Why don't um, one thing people don't know, a lot of people, um, what is the, could you just explain maybe, John, the difference in a wound string and an unwound string? Oh, sure. Um, you know, the, the wound string, well, let's start with the plain string. The plain string, like Jen said, it's just a piece, you know, of high carbon steel, um, usually with a, a tin plating on it. 
that runs the length of the instrument um, that you use. And um, a wound string is a string that starts out with a high carbon C like that, but it's usually in like a hex shape or a round shape. Uh, and then other round um, materials are wrapped around it. So if this is the string, you know, it's going like this. The machine's going like this to build up a gauge. So unlike a, um, let's say like a plain 20, where that um, regular high carbon steel wire would be, you know, a 20th or a 20,000th of an inch by itself, uh, a wound 20 would probably have something like a 10,000th of an inch uh, core wire with then a probably 5,000th of an inch uh, cover wire that's wrapped around the perimeter to build up to that final gauge. Okay, and, and why would, why, why, what's the benefit of, of a wound string? Why do instruments get wound with, you know, partial unwound and partial wound? I, I think some of it is utility in terms of they can't have, um, to have a, you know, just a straight steel rod that, you know, starts getting to these giant diameters would be extremely stiff and put a whole lot of strain on the instrument. Mm -hmm. So some of it was a give and take that way. Um, but the other way is, too, that's how you can start coloring the sound a little bit. I kind of – I usually tell people um, the differences of wound strings are like if you're going to paint your kitchen, let's say, like a nice yellow, the 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 hues of yellow that are out there are, are vast, you know. Mm -hmm. Some people might like a very, very bright yellow. Some people may like more of a golden yellow. You know, and they're both yellow, but they both sit at different ends of that of that uh, hue. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same with when you do with wound strings, putting materials over it, you're going to color the sound a little bit and either keep it very bright and like chimey, mm -hmm. almost with like a chime tone at the very attack, or you're going to have a nice warmth and fullness to it. And Jens, why is there on a five string banjo, one wound string and, and well, three? The, the basic, the, yeah, the, the, that was great, John, that you talked about that. Uh, uh, I might, I might add, you know, for um, if you have, if you have a very thick, um, if you have a, have a very thick, let's say a twenty gauge, you know, twenty thousands a, a, a steel core, uh, it not only would it be very stiff, it would also not really be flexible, you know, to to mm -hmm. to to move out far. So, uh, in order to overcome that problem, you just take a small core that is actually fairly flexible in stretching, you know. But you mm -hmm. have to add mass in order to slow slow the the movement, right? Because mm -hmm. it's a bigger mass that you have to move uh, through through, uh, through space, and so you just add mass. To that, and you can do that by winding, winding the string. And the the, um, the idea of winding is because the string still stays flexible because the winding goes like that, and the still the the, the the string is flexible. And because of the small core, it pulls the winding apart a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and in some cases, you know, the winding is actually put on while the string is under tension. So when the string is under tension, that the winding is relaxed. So there's different ways of doing that, but the basic concept is to have a small core. I mean, you know, a reasonably small core that is as flexible as the other strings. Let's say, you know, a third string on the banjo would be a 13, right? So, mm -hmm. so let's or a 14, something like that, or 12. And then if you had the fourth string, 
um, you don't want it to be a 20. That would be really weird to play. So if you then put a, uh, uh, let's say, another 12 on there, like or like John said, a 10 or something, uh, or 11, and then you wound it, you wind it, and then you play it, it has the same flexibility as the 13, but moves slower because it has more mass, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that is actually the idea of why you wind strings, you know, you, to add mass to a flexible core. And you try to keep that in the relation of the cause of, of the tonal expectations of the instrument. Mm -hmm. And in the banjo, as soon as you move above a 16, it will take a long time for the string to sound good on a banjo. Uh -huh. Because if you have, let's say, on a dobro, you can have an 18 as a first string, for instance, right? And, and that 18 will sound fine or 16 17 18 because the dobro produces you know reproduces less of the overtones than let's say a banjo would because the membrane being so thin on a banjo now if you take a 16 or 18 gauge string and you put that on a banjo and you tune it up you would have a lot of these really high pitched overtones and the marimba sounds that i was talking about of the string itself being transferred by that really thin membrane of the banjo and it would be very un unfavorable to the tone because the tone would be, become unpure for what we perceive, you know, through the air because the banjo is reproducing all of that, you know, all of the things that we don't necessarily want to hear. And, uh, and so uh, as the 22 is really already, you know, in that uh, uh, the, the, the pitch of the string is and to the length is already in that parameter where you would really like to have a wound string in order to not create more overtones than you necessarily want. And then kind of that kind of goes into, you know, you're using the, the Sonny Osborne set, right? Which is, you said is 11, 12, 13, 22. Uh, yes. And so that's kind of, they're kind of really, the first three strings are really close together in gauge. And yes, it, 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 there's a reason. I mean, banjo strings, if uh, gauging in banjo strings used to be, um, uh, they, they used to be very thin. When you look at the 30s, you know, in the 30s where tenor banjos and plectrum players played, the things were, the strings were very thin. There were sometimes eights, nines, you know, and uh, there were rarely tens. They were like, you know, very, very thin strings. And um, and then as, as as time moved on, you know, um, even when Earl Scruggs played in the 50s, a lot of the strings, you know, uh, like the bell brands or, you know, all the strings that he bought, they were like in the nines or nine and a half range. They were never a 10. But in the 70s, all of a sudden, you know, the strings started to emerge, you know, with the Vega Banjo Company, you know, having strings like 10, uh, um, Vega Medium, they had a 10. But user 11 was pretty much unheard of for a banjo until Bill Keith came along. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sonny Osborne then liked that idea. It gives you just a little bit more, because there's more mass on the string, There's I can have more expression on an individual note on the, on the one string. So the banjo's really playing a lot of notes rolling. And, but I can have more uh, uh, mid-range and uh, tonal oomph, you know, and sustain on an individual string if I have a thicker string. And so when you play slower things as well, um, it actually leans, it really helps, you know. So, um, but like I said, you know, the before, that that's really a personal uh, uh, style uh, thing, you know, um, uh, of what, on, and what you are used to, you know. Uh, that's, there's not a rule, really. No, no, no. You got to experiment and kind yes, of yes, yes, right, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And other other people have experimented um, 
before you, like you know, like with GHS. You know, I mean, I when I when I was when I was a kid, I um, I saw all the ads about GHS and who was playing GHS, and of course, you know, I thought, okay, they must be good because the professionals play them. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's how simple it is. You know, when you start off, you know, and and then you found out, yes, they are actually really good because all these people like Bella Fleck and you know all these great players. Well, they tried everything. I mean, they they they're not playing the strings. Uh, They're not playing GHS because they they get strings for free. They play these strings because they're the best strings they can find, you know. So so uh, and then you you play them yourself and you really find yes they're really spoiling me. They really come back. They're really reliable. And then you start start, start you just start trusting that brand, and that's exactly what happened. And why do most banjo players, especially five string banjo players, um, use not use phosphor? bronze wound strings i know the bill keith set was a phosphor bronze i believe and then some clawhammer players do but definitely bluegrass players generally are using the nickel or it's it's hard to say sometimes i i feel like the the nickel wound you know that i have you know is what is it is this is a steel wound right is um mm -hmm. is is it's just lasting a little longer you know sounding the same and uh, if i have let's say just a just a regular bronze uh, they they're they corrode fairly quickly in my under my hands and that also depends mm -hmm. on the sweat you have or the acid in your fingers <laughs> so i've seen people play uh let's say a regular set of of bronze strings you know that that don't last so long in my you know in my style of playing on guitar for instance but i've seen people you know play them forever and they sound good on them and uh, but they don't work for me but uh, ghs you know has these uh, nickel strings and steel strings you know for acoustic guitar they're just unbelievable my brother plays them you know and uh, they're just the best recording strings you know that he that's what he uses all the time you know and so um like i said you know that that really depends on the individual you know likings you know And that, that gives you the phosphor is generally going to be like a warmer sound. The nickel is going to give you a little bit more top end, right? Would you say? Or am I incorrect there? You see that the thing is sometimes strings when they're new they have they they all sound pretty bright, and then you just want to mm -hmm. play them in a little bit, you know. And then uh, it depends on the instrument. You see, there's just instruments who who really produce a lot more of that frequency that the string produces. You know, there's If I talk to, I mean, especially people who use wound strings, you know, like like guitarists, you know, they play, yeah. you know, four wound strings, and uh, and they use different sets on different guitars because there's a different overtone response, yeah. you know, to the yeah. to the strings. You know, they're not just having one set for all their instruments most of the time. They know they they know on that guitar, you know, I like a phosphor bronze, and this, you know, I like that, and and this guitar can even take a, a string that's coded or you know. A, And mm -hmm. on this guitar, it sounds like plastic. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. You bring up a good thing, Jens, too, because a lot of times when I talk to artists and things like that, and they say, I'm looking for something different, uh, in, whether it's just somebody that's already used our strings before or they've used somebody else and they're looking to try something, the first thing I'll actually say is, okay, what is your guitar like? Yes. You know, right. what, what's the character of your guitar? And then it's like, okay, what do you like about that sound? Mm -hmm. And then what, is there something you could change? And then usually the part where they say, oh, I wish, you know, it had a little bit more bass response or I wish it could do that. That's where you start getting those um, more, you can really drill into what they're looking for. And that's where you can bring into like the different kind of metals 
used for uh, wound strings that really helped them find that sound they've been looking for. Yes, right. That's that's exactly right. I, I uh, uh, do you at GHS? Do you use different platings on the strings as well, mm-hmm. just on the plain strings? Yeah, we've got uh, we've got two main ones. We've got like the the standard tin, and then we've got a brass plated one that we've used on a couple of sets as well. Yeah, how, how do you how would you describe the difference between the brass and the tin? Uh, you know, it's subtle, but I want to say the brass is uh, it's a smoother sound. You know, it's still it's still very bright and lively, but it feels like it's not as there isn't that real big punch right at the very beginning of the note. It's more of just like a a, a little bit of a push in there that kind of evens out a little bit more. Yes. Uh, what, what, of, what kind of set are we talking? Ban- we're not talking banjo sets, are we? Those are kind of more for I would say guitar sets. I assume or bass we sets. Could, I mean, we could make a good, we could make a banjo set with brass plated strings. That would be well, brass. Cool. Brass is uh, is great because it's got zinc in it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, brass is zinc and copper. You know, so yeah. it's a, so it's uh, makes it nice and soft. As yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. Well, well, tin I mean, is tin is as well, right. of course. Yeah, I, that would be that would be interesting to try a, to use some of the brass plated plain strings on a. Uh, on a banjo, I'd be curious. I, how that I would never, sound. I, I've never heard that. I, I, yeah, I, you know. But it's interesting, you know. Whatever, um, the playing strings, you know, they, on the playing strings, you can basically hear the, the quality of the company. I, I, I feel like, um, no matter what they are aiming, what what they are going for, you know, mm. uh, when you hear it, because it's the naked truth of the of the core, you know, of the string, and. Uh, uh, and it's just interesting how different, you know, manufacturers are, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even though, you know, I think most at one point, most people, um, uh, most companies, you know, got their core wire from MAPES, if I'm, right. not, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then use that as a core wire. And I think MAPES is also, is he there from Elizabeth and uh, Tennessee? Mm-hmm. And they are um, um, one of the leading uh yeah. string pullers in the world mm. you know they make piano wire yeah i think they're delivering for steinway and you know uh, very numerous you know very renowned companies in the world and been trusted for, for many many years i mean it's it's like your company i mean you've been in business since 1964 right mm-hmm. with, with yeah and uh, and mapes has been around a long time you know making making piano wire and um um, and they delivered, you know, most of the of the of the wire for, you know, let's say Fender or uh, all kinds of manufacturers. But you know, and mm-hmm. so you didn't know. And then I think the Adario went off to have their own string pulling um, and uh, relaxing uh, a plant, yep. um, which then really changed the sound of the Adario strings drastically. You know, from pretty much one year to the next. Not yep. on all, not on all their models, but on uh, particularly the banjo strings. You know, um, and um, and and like I said, you know, I think the the core wire you you can tell at the core wire when you re-listen to it um, how well not just the material is, but how well it is pulled. First of all, the pulling is not that difficult of a process. I mean, it's complex, but it's not that difficult. But the relaxing is. So you mm-hmm. got to have these are huge machines, right, John? You know, you've yeah. seen seen these machines, you know, they're like, I don't know, as long as my house. And, right, right. And these, they, they, you have to imagine these strings, you know, they get pulled through these wheels. And uh, Greg, Greg Deering, he took me once to a place, you know, where they sell these old machines or where they're standing around. And 
And uh, if they're not really relaxed well, then there's no chance for them that they have a really um, uh, true overtone spectrum. There's mm -hmm. just there's no way. And there's only a few companies who actually pull the string and relax it well right. in the world, you know. But then that's um, up to the company's philosophy, you know, of what they think is a good sounding overtone spectrum. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that there's anybody out there who doesn't have a good string. Right. But for the banjo that is so um, rich in overtones, yeah. very, very rich and responsive to overtones, it's so crucial. And that's why I got so interested because, you know, I tried all kinds of strings. And when you're on the road, sometimes you, you, you remember these things when you go to a music store and there's a box and you have all these individual strings and mm -hmm. some of them are from Roto Sound and some of them are from, and then you just try to find a 10 or an 11 because you busted it on your last gig and you need to replace right. the sets and such. And then you try all these different sets and you feel, and then you really start to hear, yeah, these, these, they sound different, you know, they sound different. And I, I don't want to uh, blow your horn, you know, but, um, uh, uh, GHS, but the thing with GHS is that they truly are the the for the banjo the most ideal overtone spectrum because they just mm. and especially the overtone spectrum doesn't change much over time. Right, you know they're not like totally dull when you put them on. You remember these? You remember the strings when you when we, you know John? You remember when you when you, mm -hmm. when you started playing? You know you 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 put on a new guitar set or you know and then they sound dull. The, the top yeah. two strings, the, the unwound strings sound dull. They're dead. They, they don't, mm -hmm. don't have any response. And then you have to say, okay, i got to play them in and such. And with with the, with the GHS, you know, I can put them on pretty much 10 minutes before I go and play a show, right? I can put That's them brave. on. That's <laughs> brave. They do. I mean, they really do because I can trust them so much. I can just stretch them and I put them on and, and just play them five minutes and go on stage and that's it. You know, they stay where they are and they're wonderful, you know. So that that says something, you know. Well, Jens, how much? How often do you change your strings? I would say I go through about um, uh, fifty sets a year, so it, it's probably you know about once a week. So, but um, but then there's times where I don't change them that much. I especially change them when I'm you know on the road in the summer or the, the environment is just there's a lot of uh, humidity, and mm -hmm. um, uh, or you know or or I travel a lot, and then I just don't trust it. Mm -hmm. I just want to put them on, you know. And also, when you play every day or you play a show, if the string starts to be a little, has a little corrosion on, it tears up your fingers, you know. Mm -hmm. It makes your fingers a lot more tired than when you put on a nice, nice new new set of strings, you know. How often would you say for the person at home that just, you know, should they be changing their strings? I was just going to ask the exact same question. That's probably the most commonly asked thing that we get. You know, mm -hmm. I, 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 tell you, I tell you what, I, I think... You know, and, and I had that too because I had so many students, you know, over the years. But I say, it's like it's like with a shower. Take a shower a month, whether you need it or not. John, we're going to grab the tagline that we came up with, and we're right. going to run with that. Right? No, I, I, and I think. I think, you know, uh, uh, for somebody who is just, you know, a closet player, just has some fun and goes to a jam session and plays, why don't you treat your instrument with a set of strings, you know, a month? It's, it's, it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. And I think, you know, just to put them on, it's a nice little ritual and you get, you get a hang of it. You know, it's, it's not that hard to right. put the strings on and it feels so good to put the strings on. Then you have to 
just sort of if you have a band, if you have the banjo bridge, you know, once you put the, once you put the uh, the strings on, you know, then you just have to put the banjo bridge back straight, <laughs> you know, oh, or just needle back yeah. because with the strings, you know, it moves forward more. Yeah. Or the banjo bridge could fall over, and so you learn little tricks, you know, to do that. And uh, uh, but it's it's really nice to have a new set of strings, and it feels good to have done that actually. What's a trick? One thing that I always run into putting it when you cut the fifth string, so it doesn't leave a little, basically a pin, to, and it pokes your thumb every time you're playing. Right? Well, the nice thing I, I tell uh, I tell you, I don't want to destroy strings here, but uh, I'll send you a new set. Yeah, and you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll take care of it. We know some yeah. people. <laughs> okay, I'll take a string. It's a nice nitro pack. Okay, I'm gonna take mm -hmm. the string. I'll show you something. Okay, I have to bite it open, you know, then I inhale the nitrogen and <laughs> feel, feel really cool. Uh, so I can take a string. Do you see the string? Yep. Yeah. You see, the nice thing is you can take a string and you just make a loop. You see that? Mm -hmm. Like yep. that. And you pull it together. Move it up there. And then you just pull, pull it apart. You see that? Oh, oh wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, the other thing is if you, if you, so, so I, uh, you, you can just take a string and just make a loop and then pull it apart, see? Wow. Okay. Uh, and sure. when and when you have a banjo, when you have the banjo and you put it, you put the string in, you see, I don't have any ends. Right. My, you know, when children grab a headstock, they usually hurt themselves. Right. You know, don't, yep. don't. So and I hurt myself many times. I don't know how many times I stuck a string in my finger and then you have this mixture of sweat, a little bit of dirt and blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. We've all, been there. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. And especially also with the fifth string. So what I do with the fifth string, I take my fifth string off, so I'll show you what I do. Um, so you can see how it looks. Um, a workshop here. Yeah, it's nice. If you, you see, when you look when you look at this, I take the string and I, I pop it apart, like I said before. I pop the string apart. I mean, I put it in, put the string in, and then I, I make, I, I go up to here about, uh -huh. and then I make a little loop and pop it apart. And then I make a little, uh, you can see that. I yeah. make a little. Okay. And I just take it by hand and just make a little hook. Uh -huh. Right? And then I put the string, which is already in here, basically. Because I do all that while the string is already in the tailpiece, mm -hmm. and then I just um, put that little hook into the into the fifth into the into the hole of the fifth string peg, wrap it around twice, and then just turn it, and then I just uh, wind it up. You know, it just back and, out. It stays there. It just stays there, and then I don't have anything looking out. And that, I mean, you could also just wind it up and then take a plier and then cut it off. It's just what I do. You ask. I'm going to give um, a shout out as well to our, our VP of uh, Operations here, Chad Kapodic. He also on our on our string change video, he does have a little trick on the fifth string specifically as well. When you can feed, I, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's a similar principle. But you kind of feed it kind of halfway in and then back out on itself, and then when you bend it. You kind of you're using the, the string going through to kind of do that same break off so it, it kind of pulls itself back into the hole again and thus you don't get the oh, pokey cool. bit i i show you i show you the coolest trick i know about strings changing if you like me to sure. go for yeah. it see okay i take the fifth let's I, I take the string off you know the fourth string let's say the 22. Mm -hmm. okay uh 
speed change contest. Here we go. I guess yeah. so. You know, it's great. This is actually a trick that a Canadian um, musician, Dennis Larrabee, showed me 40 years ago. So when I put the string in, I don't know if you can see this, I put the string in here. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I just keep the string away a little bit, you know, not too far. And then I go one, one, one above. Oh, yeah. And then I go go underneath it, you know, and this is nice. With a banjo, you can do that because the ratio of the of the tuning peg is not like one to 16 or 32 or something. No, but now comes the cool thing. I'll show you. You take a string, you take a string, and then you just grab it very close. Can you see that? Can you see it? Mm -hmm. You just grab it really close and you just go over once and really pull and can go over to the other side and the string's there you off. Go. Okay, and uh, and there's no, there's nothing. So you don't need a clipper or you know, you need to clip it off and and you, so that's easy, right? right. Thank that, you. That's great, Jens. Thank you very much because I didn't, I didn't see that on the uh, on the peghead version before. That's that's similar to what uh, what Chad does as well. So that's um, yeah, without the clipper, the, the, the string clipper sales have just declined. <laughs> well, no, my my brother, my brother, he uses the string clippers, you know, on the guitar. Um, it's just what he's used to, you know. He's got also a little string winder on that clipper thing, and it's really yeah. handy. So it really works well for him, you know. So just on the subject of restringing, and, and just John, going back to you a little bit, I wanted to talk about um, the other thing that I'm really impressed with on the on the GHS string is the lock twist system. Oh yeah, yep. Can you talk a little bit about that, and you know what it is and what it means for for you know artists like Jens, but also players at home as well? You yeah, know, what, actually, let me. Uh, Let's see here, I can actually. Oh, this is I'm like gonna, the most demo. Live I know, I'm, gonna, we've done. I'm gonna draw a picture because it, it's probably the best way to, to, to do that. Uh -huh. So the lock twist is for how this how the the string at the very end, the loop or the ball end is locked onto the plain steel string. Mm -hmm. Normally, let's see if I can do it like this. When you've got you've got your string and we've got our loop like this. Then they wrap, you know, it'll wrap something around like so. Just a couple of loops around, then it has just a regular piece like this. And that's how we create the loop. That's the loop that goes onto the bridge that holds the string. Can what you hold GH that up to the camera just a little bit? No, I'm sorry. There we go. There we go. Okay. That's, that's like a that. one of my better pictures. That's cool. I know. I'm like, <laughs> believe it or not, I used to be a graphic designer. <laughs> so, but what, what GHS does... I'll put it down below it, is uh, we do our real loop, but then we go back on it just for a little bit mm -hmm. um, to lock it to lock it in mm -hmm. Got it. like that. And so what that what that does, the, the big part, and it, it kind of plays into what Jens was saying about how he trusts those strings to be able to um, change them 10 minutes before showtime is that it there is there's much less um stretching needed when those strings are on as they're settling onto the instrument because the lock twist is basically on those other strings is just clamping down on it and making sure that that loop's not flexing at all under where where it's supposed to be locked in there and because of that too that also helps intonation um setting it and keeping it 
for the duration of the string life. Yes. But may I add something to that? I think um, because when you look at the tailpiece, you look at the tailpiece. Wait a second, I'm a little bit more light here. Right here. You look at the tailpiece, right? The strings run over the tailpiece. Mm-hmm. And then basically the that lock you're talking about is basically is basically right on top of here. Okay. Now a lot of strings actually they're they're wrapped around, but then they sort of have a loose end that looks out. Yeah. And then when you touch the tail the tailpiece, you cut yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> now with the, with these, you don't, you know, you can you see that nothing happening. Right. It's, all, it's all tight and nice. So that's another advantage of your technique. Yeah. There you go. And then some other other brands I've had before where 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 the loop actually comes undone. Right. While you're trying to put it on. Yeah, I've had that. Yeah. Right. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, those are those are the kind of the two redeeming features I think about you know moving to GHS and looking at those those things, the details that, that make a difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll make a lot of people very happy. I, I know a number of customers that I spoke to yesterday, some of whom I know pretty well at this point, mm-hmm. um, are very excited <laughs> that we made the, made the switch. So that's, uh, that's cool. I want to go back real quick because there's been, a, there's been a few people asking the same question. Okay. Gold plating on strings. Has it been done? Does it work? And more to the point, why not just straight gold? Oh man, actual gold plating. I mean, you probably could. Haven't tried you know, it. Have, I haven't tried it. Um, no, okay. My guess would be, um, you know, the big thing too is you got to remember when we buy material, it's in giant spools, mm-hmm. you know, and it's uh, it's by the pound kind of thing, you know. So we'll get a spool like this big of core wire that makes, you know, however thousand um, tens or whatever. Um, and uh, the price goes up kind of exponentially depending on the material that you use. Obviously, um, like if we buy a, a pure nickel wire for something as in t- instead of a nickel plated wire, the pure nickel is going to be a lot more. So um, we probably haven't done a gold plated string probably because it's a lot of money to buy just the, the regular material first. Um, I'd be curious curious on you know, an actual gold uh, plate or even a gold string. But I think at the same time, I'm, I'm not sure anybody would want to buy it just, uh, just from the onset. Well, <laughs> no, yes, no, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think, you know, the main, the, uh, you know, with plating, plating comes off as well, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and also uh, gold right. is, gold is pretty heavy um, as a plating. Uh, I, I think, well, it's just such a small, it's just such a thin layer. It would look cool and it would not corrode. It looks great. I mean, the, 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 it obviously would be a good solution. I mean, um, um, a full gold wire wouldn't be uh, uh, um, wouldn't be uh, coming back. You know, it would be just, uh, you would stretch it or it's too soft. Mm. Uh, it, it probably mm. would sound very, very poor. <laughs> so, yeah. so from the, that would be. But I think there's guitar strings made, you know, by companies that were that were gold plated. You know, uh, I've seen them before. Never tried them. Yeah, I, but I think there've been a couple that I've seen. Yeah, yeah, and I, that's probably it's. It might be a good idea. I don't know, but um, but it, let's say you know, if if somebody changes a set of strings, you know, every month or every two weeks or whatever, it, uh, 
if somebody is a, really playing every day, you know, two weeks or three weeks is a good frequency, but then um, then he wouldn't, the, the strings are not corroding anyway that, that, yeah. that much, you know, uh, especially not when they come out, out of a pack as fresh as they are now, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like um, I get your strings always 50 sets at the, at the time, right? And uh, and so I got my sets laying around. I got them in my bag, you know, in my my travel bag, or and I don't have to worry about them. And then mm -hmm. I take them out. They're they're fresh, and I know they're gonna stay, you know, uh, good for a long time. But I used to have, you know, sets, you know, even from you guys, you know, <laughs> even from GHS that I bought somewhere, you know, and they were in the music store. I don't know how long, you know, and I bought them, and then you have them on, and the two days later they're already shot, you know. Yeah. So, and it makes a huge difference, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a good point, actually. That this is a, an argument that comes up time and time again. And it applies less to banjo just because, like you said earlier on, Jens, we only tend to have one wound string on. But when you're talking about strings, particularly on instruments in music stores, um, mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the trends that I've seen is, is from manufacturers of musical instruments particularly is... Uh, using a coated set of strings. Now, there's obviously, there's definitely a manufacturer out there that specializes in it. I've used them. I'm not a, personally a massive fan, but the challenge has always been on the banjo strings is because they're single wires for most of the, most of the strings. Have there been any advancements in, in kind of string technology that, that would allow for like single, single strings to be kind of coated and protected in the same way that the, the guitar strings have been uh, over the years. You know, actually, we have a, a set of banjo strings kind of like that. Uh, they're not coated uh, per se. What we did was we uh, they're cryogenically treated instead. Uh, it's an old um, technology. Actually, Dean Markley originally came out with it with uh, the blue steels. Got it. Um, where basically you take the strings, you bring, uh, you freeze them down to uh, very cold. I, I mean, I wish I, the place we sent them to is I think a place called 360 degrees. Um, but they, they freeze them and what it, and then bring them back up to temperature. And by doing that, it uh, affects the string on a molecular level, kind of tightens it up and makes it a little bit more durable that way uh and the the plus on that it's it's not so much i guess um i don't know how much you notice it on like the plain steel strings but you definitely notice that on a wound like when a wound string is coated you can definitely tell you know just from hearing it yeah. um so we use we like to say that like the cryogenically treated is more of the get an unwound sound but a wound longevity um so that I mean, that's been one of the, the more recent technologies that that we can use for that. So when you coat when you coat your strings, John, are they are they are they entirely coated, or is the winding itself coated? No, the winding itself would be coated when we do it. So yeah, mm -hmm. we get we get the uh, the cover wires coated on a wound string, and then um, we wind that over the plain uh, steel core wire. Unlike um, the one that Jamie was alluding to, that. Um, they'll coat the finished, the finished string. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, that's, it's actually a very good technique because if you have a coating over a finished string, 
um, the the problem is that the string becomes extremely slick. Yeah. Now, that has some advantages for some slides and such, but if you want to hold a chord on a guitar for a longer period of time or you really need to move the chord, you want some grip of the of the actual string. You want to feel a resilience, you know, a resilience mm-hmm. uh, of the string, you know, on your fingers, you know, not just being so slick because yeah. it starts to become very painful to hold the hand in the position with a slick string. So that's right. what I hear a lot of times, you know, of people who play just the, the total string uh, uh, covered um, in a sleeve uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in uh, comparison to a wound, uh, to the winding that's covered because you still have right. some of the grip left. Yeah. Right. You mm-hmm. still have some of the grip left, which really helps the player, you know, have a similar feel like an uncoded string to, right. to the instrument, right? right. But I don't. Sense. But I don't think. I don't think that a plain, a plain steel string, you know, whose tin that's tin plated, needs to have another treatment to last longer. You know, because when you mm-hmm. go into a music store and you play an old guitar that's been there, the, the E on the B string still sound good usually. You know, I mean they mm-hmm. they sound good for a really really long time. I mean a, a plain string really doesn't go back go dead. It becomes just a little weird in the overtone spectrum, maybe a little, uh, and it's not so. It's it doesn't stay in tune very much. You have to imagine it's like you're pulling a chewing gum. It it's not in the same thickness everywhere anymore because right. you're stretching it. And so, and 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 even if you let's say have your your string in the package, um, and it's if if it's wound up really really tight, let's say you know strings are could be wound up from the manufacturer really really tight. Well, that's going to affect uh, how the string will relax again once you take it out of the pack. Let's say if it would be in there for 20 years, I guess, you know, then it would mm-hmm. sort of, you know, start to take the shape of what, it's, of what it was in, you know, and it will not have that same uh, uh, feeling anymore. But I don't think, you know, with the material there is and how the string, there was a, there was a time, you know, when they sold guitar strings, they were straight. Remember them, there was that Nashville straights that were called like, there was like mm. in seven, 78, you know, it was a paper pack, you know, this long because they claimed that once the strings is, you know, put together in a, in a, in a round shape that it will never sound good anymore. But that's, that's, that was all just ideas. That's, that's not how it is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a long yeah. time ago, you know, and it's, it's, it's nice, you know, that what I think is so amazing is that, that there's still every day there's, there's innovation, you know, people thinking mm-hmm. of things and trying things and uh, thinking, what could we do? It's like, you know, the comment we just had, you know, how about gold plating or how about a gold string? I think these are all really necessary questions. And these are questions mm-hmm. that we're asking ourselves all the time still, you know, all the time. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Go ahead, yeah. Dave. Uh, stainless steel use, he said he read somewhere that stainless steel used for strings can wear out frets more quickly than other materials. Um, um, it's true yeah stainless steel is definitely going to be a harder than you know like a nickel um, in terms of, but there's a lot of other things that, that go along with that you know how how hard you grip the you know your your neck on those strings is going to play a little bit on that as well you know if, you, if you've got just a vice grip on there you're, you're putting more pressure on those strings than you need to to fret the note Whereas if you just put enough that you need, you're going to be fine. It's it's not something that you're going to be, 
you're not going to be playing for like two months with a stainless steel string and say, oh man, I need to get these frets dressed. Just, oh. just you know, you're talking, you know, even with regular um, use and, you know, going on the road and playing night after night after night, uh, you're going to have to get your frets redressed anyway. You know, after a certain time, it is kind of, the, they're a consumable on our instruments, but it's, um, you, you know, usually a little f polish on it every now and again, you're not going to notice anything really. Yes. That's why I use stainless steel frets. Yeah. That helps too. I was going to say that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, I, we switched over on my manager to stainless steel, I think uh, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in the 12 years on my main instrument, you know, uh, I had to replace them twice. Yeah. In 12 years. I used to have to um, change frets uh, uh, every two years, have them dressed every few months. Yeah. Well, I mean, I dressed them myself, you know, on the road, you know, with little tools and th things, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, but it's just, you know, so, but if you don't play a lot, you know, don't play so much, then you, you don't need to change frets uh, that much. Yeah. It's not a concern, you know, uh, it's not even, right. but there was another argument, you know, stainless steel frets would destroy the string. Yeah. I mean, you know, have, and I've not seen that actually, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I, I, I seriously think these are, these are maybe justified arguments to a certain extent, but they're not, they're not in the practical world actually noticeable. Right. 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 right? They're, they're, you know, my brother's using stainless steel frets and GHS strings. Uh, just uh, never has problems with it or on the other guitars, you know, where it doesn't have strings. It's not, not, yeah, uh, no, it's not destroying the strings, you know. Debunking string myths. Yeah. Here on well, Live, no, I'm just saying, no, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying, no, you know, in, in a practical world, you know, where you really yeah. just, you know, yeah. work with it, it's, it's not a concern, you know, yeah. it's not really a concern. No, it's, uh, it's just in the summertime, you know, when you, when you when you play festivals or you play outside or you um, you have a lot of climate changes, strings just die quicker. Mm -hmm. You know, when with the winding of the strings, you know, just uh, becomes dull mainly because you have um, dirt in between. You know, the the, the winding. You know, that gets right. in there. I mean, when we were kids, we didn't have money, so we take the strings off the guitar and boil them. Yep. You know, yeah, put yep. them in hot water. You know, with that, with, with 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 vinegar. <laughs> clean the string and then take them out, you know, put them back on until the winding would literally fall off the string, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there were different times, but, but in the summer, you know, you just have to change more. And uh, I have some coded strings on my guitars. I don't play a lot, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I play uh, in the studio and then I have some of your uh, coded strings that I just keep on my, on my guitar. And then I don't, if I don't play them for two weeks, I can take the guitar out and, and they still sound good. Another advantage is when you do a production in the studio and you you play an entire album with a guitar, uh, you don't have to constantly change strings. Or when you want to go back and you want to fill in another uh, or fix something and you come back, you still have the same sound. You know, the, the guitar mm -hmm. doesn't, didn't change yet. You know, with the, you know, you can rely on the same sound. And, and that's uh, an advantage against some of the disadvantages, right? That's What's awesome. happening? It's like the plane, I get, you know, I get a little splinter on the string. You know, do you ever get that? Like a tiny little sliding up. Um, it feels like I'm getting it like a, almost a cactus needle splinter. I never had that. Never had that? Okay. Well, I wonder if that's something like just a little 
sliver of like the plating or something just coming right off. Yeah, it's it happens a fair amount. I'm playing tenor banjo, maybe because I'm sliding up and down a lot too. I don't yes. know. Um, it's like, yeah. you know, but in the old days, you know, like people like like uh, Peabody, you know, the, mm. the great banjo player, he would take strings and he would have a, I think it was like a eucalyptus oil balm of kind of some sort, and he would pretty he would take out of a jar and he would really smear the entire banjo neck full of this stuff. I mean, and then because he would try to protect his fingers and the strings, they would play the strings for a lot longer period of time than today, but they would smear a lot of oil and all kinds of things on the string in order to, to keep the string on, on. But can you imagine how dead a wound string actually sounds when you put some hand lotion on it? Oh yeah. You're going to kill that thing right away. But that's that's the entire career of Peabody, right? He never yeah. used any any and and a lot of jazz guitarists in those days did the same thing. They used you know hand lotion and they put that over. Um, I actually saw Chris Thiele once, you know, when he was a kid. You know, he played so much, but then I saw him, and I remember because he had a big jar of Swiss. It was called Swiss uh, hand lotion or something, and he put it on his hands. And he took his mallet and started playing, you know, because his fingers would slide better. And for the for the tremolos, especially on the on the on the this lots of slides you do on the tenor, you know, people would use that. But today we wouldn't do that anymore because the strings sound so dead. It's unbelievable how dead they get. <laughs> it's like dunk. It's like done. You know, it's like dunk. But uh, well, it worked with the very very thin string and the way that they played it. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a number of products on the market these days as well. I mean, we're talking to John GHS Fast Fret will probably do a pretty good job. Right. Uh, you know, enabling players to slide a little bit better. There's a couple of others that we we uh, we stopped over the years as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a pretty good one. So if you don't mind, I've got a couple of questions here from customers. Um, we have Dave, and forgive me, Dave, if I uh, mispronounce your name, but Pecoraro, I think it is. Uh, mm-hmm. He emailed this morning, and he's also on the chat today. So hi, Dave. Um, I have a Calico, Deering Calico, and I was thinking about buying a Smile Bridge is there a relationship between the strings with this bridge? And I think that question can probably be ends. That will probably be for you, but it might expand just in general to strings and bridges. Is, is there a relationship, you know, with with uh, what strings to have with with a certain bridge, or is it really are they two separate independent? Basically, things? I mean, the basic uh, rule of thumb would be: the heavier the strings, the heavier you can go with a bridge. You know. Um, because uh, you have to see the heavier, the, if you have a bridge that's heavier, it's it's harder to move the bridge because there's just more mass on the bridge. Mm. And um, if you want a similar sound, you know, you 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 need to also increase the 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 the, the gauge of the string a little bit to uh, to to the to the mass of the of the bridge. I've tried very heavy strings on very thin bridges, and the result is usually not very pleasant it's not really good sounds very bulky and um, you start like again i have to uh, refer again to this marimba effect i was i was saying you know i'm I'm talking about the core of the string starting to have its has its own sound right it has its mm-hmm. own way of sounding. not just the vibration it does which is the tone we hear uh, you know of how tight it is and how fast it goes back and forth um, also the material itself has a sound now if you have a very thin bridge it actually transports 
immediately a lot of these very high overtones, you know, uh, that are in the string, that are moving inside of the string in waves. And um, and then when you have a very thin string and a very thick, uh, a very thick, I'm sorry, a very thick string and a very thin bridge, you know, you start to have a, a bulky, very overtone rich, weird sound. It's almost, um, yeah, it's, it has something, well, maybe you like it, but I'm saying in general, you know, it's not that what you desire. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if you take a, a very, a quite very thick bridge, you can also use thin strings, but the thing is then you, you decrease the initial peak of the string. Um, uh, to to explain that just a little bit better. Yeah. To if you look at a tone, it is it would be very hard to distinguish the difference between a guitar and a banjo if you just listen to the sustain of this of the note. You know, a lot of instruments sound very similar if you would just listen after the, if you wouldn't hear the peak, you just hear the sustain of the note. It's sometimes difficult to uh, tell the difference between a oboe or a flute uh, because the, the overtone spectrum is somewhat similar and it's the same with the guitar. But what really is a lot of different on the banjo to the guitar is that the first initial peak is so much higher on the banjo and has a metallic sound because coming from the finger picks, um, from the way the everything moves, from the construction. So the initial peak you hear a lot of the character of the instrument. So that was for a long time for synthetic sound production, like on synthesizers and such. It was very difficult to reproduce this first initial, you know, peak of a sound in order to make this, the an artificial sound sound natural, right? And, uh, and then you need many different kinds of these initial sounds in order not to sound sterile with this sound. Now, when you look at a, a banjo construction, you have a fairly heavy bridge, let's say, and, and you have a, a, a thin string. Well, the thin string will start to move, but the energy will not, go, will, will not move the bridge as quickly and mm -hmm. as efficiently onto the surface of, of the amplifying construction of that. And because of that, the initial peak will be somehow made the curve is 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 dampened similar to a uh, let's say um compressor it would take oh off, wow it would take off you know some of that and it would change change the tone uh, so the notes run a little bit more into each other you know so in order to get more note separation you would just thin the bridge to a comfortable string thickness you like and until you have the note separation you desire and the sustain you desire. So it's like dialing in these two factors. Now with the Smiley Bridge, it depends if you're buying a 5.8 or 11.16 bridge um, of how thick it is. But this general, you know, for the construction of the Deering part and uh, a head that's around a G or G sharp, uh, and you put a Deering light gauge string set on there, which is a 10, 11, 13, uh, uh, then you would have a, a pretty good middle of the road set up. So don't worry about the smiley bridge and the string, the, the strings. The, the smiley bridge pretty much works well with um, most string gauges really well because 
of the Smiley Bridge being more flexible in rolling because the middle foot is a little higher and has a it has an arch to it. That means the bridge is easier to move and transfer sound onto the board. And that's why the Smiley Bridge is a little bit more forgiving with different, different string gauges. That's a pretty thorough explanation. We appreciate that, Jens. A great I'm sorry, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm a little lengthy here, but- uh, Oh, no, 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 the, the, um, you know, and it's, it's a good opportunity as well, because we do get questions quite a lot. Um, we've had a few today with regards specifically to I have a good time or I have a Sierra, like what's, what's the best string uh, gauges? And you kind of touched on it and John did too, but it's always so subjective. Right, mm -hmm. strings but are I, always subjective. But but I can give a I can give a few I, I can give a few a, a few a few pointers here. You know that the, there was a survey once. <laughs> Peter Wernick and Tony. I, I think Peter Wernick was it Tony Trishka as well. I'm sorry, I don't want to discredit anybody here. But they put a, a book out called Masters of Bluegrass and Bluegrass Banjo, and that was a long time ago. It was a thick book, and there was a whole group of banjos, and they interviewed I don't know anybody in the business. Not all the people that were featured in the book, but they were they did a huge survey who played what, you know, what, what kind of strings, and it was interesting. It boiled down that for the first string, the most common string was a ten. For the second string, the most common string was eleven. For the third string, the most common string was a thirteen, and a twenty-one or a twenty-two for the fourth, and a ten for the fifth, and so I that became sort of in the middle of the road set. And for a long time, I think Bella Fleck played that as well, until I think now he plays a GHS set, you know, that has a 12 in the middle instead of a 13. He but plays a couple really crazy, crazy ones too, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, so, but one of the, just, if I would say just the most standard, just regular set there is for banjo, you can just start off with is a regular Deering light gauge set. And then you can always, you know, uh, uh, get a little uh, lighter. If you, for instance, you're a huge Earl Scruggs fan, and um, uh, and, and you really want the uh, yeah, this is this is the light. This is this is exactly that's that set with the twenty wound and the ten, uh, and that's twenty one wound. Sorry, yeah, and 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 that's exactly the set that that I would just suggest you know uh, for anybody just to go in the middle of the row because it sounds good if you're playing. Uh, let me demonstrate if you play something. That 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 requires a little bit more sustain, you know, a little bit more. You know, then the ten is really good if you really just. note separation and then you maybe want to go lighter you know go to a nine and a half um like the vintage light or the extra light set even you know that's a nine and you get more note separation you sound a little bit more like earl scruggs uh, and the old banjo players did you know in the early days uh, because there's just more pop which is because a tuk tuk you know sustain sort of uh, drops off and then you also want to have a maybe a little bit of a thinner bridge just maybe a little bit but that's just set up questions that we can maybe also talk another time but i yeah. but i think just uh, just to get a regular Deering light gauge set and then go from there because it sounds great. And a lot of players in the world play that set, you know, and as professional players, 
you know. Yeah, and, and I was going to say I brought it up because it, it really is the the set of strings that we fit to the vast majority of our banjos from the production line, with the exception of a, of a small handful. Um, yes. Most of them will get from the Good Time through to a Sierra through to a Calico. Yes. Uh, they'll get the light gauge set. So a lot of people ask, you know, what what should I get? And, and that's the one to go for. And after that, like like Yen says, you've got different sets to experiment within that Deering range. Yes, um, there's other brands, other manufacturers, which, you know, obviously, you know, don't mess the GHS. We'll support them. But it's, um, we, uh, you know, we, we have a different offerings and it's just kind of an experimentation thing because it's well, so subjective right. to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Well, so, so basically, you know, what, what we did when we, when we came up with the string gauges, you know, for the, for, for the deering banjos, you know, we, we, I wanted to do play, uh, you know, have reference to historic sets. You know, when you, when you look at the extra light set that we're having, you know, for Deera, for deering, it's basically the Vega light set. And, you know, of of, um, of Vega, later Martin Company, that um, that is just a historic set, you know. It, mm-hmm. But I think it's just a better set with the GHS string in it. But it's it's just a historic set because it really is a sound, you know, that 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 that, that Vega light sound. Uh, you can hear that on countless recordings of early JD Crow, and uh, and then JD Crow, of course, played Bell Brand. And that is then a vintage set, which is, is like a, the vintage light is like a nine and a half, 11, a 12, you know, and the 12 is a little harder to control, but it's almost like a bell brand, you know, they're, they're out of business. Uh, they, they've been gone for a long time. And so J.D. Crow had a, had a, a signature set, which is also widely used in, in the bluegrass field. And so when we did the Deering line, we tried to adopt some of these really classic uh, sets, you know, that you have access to these sets for the ring. Awesome. All right. It's been an hour and 20. Is everyone good on time? Yeah. yeah. That. Everyone's cool. All right. Well, we'll go for another, another 10. I've got a couple more questions here from uh, from people tuning in. Uh, it's from Maisa. And again, Maisa, I'm sorry if uh, I butchered your name there. Everybody who asks questions always has names that I struggle <laughs> to pronounce. It's never John or Steve, but uh, we appreciate you all. Um, when we use D-tuners, mm. and I assume they're referring to the, the, the Keith D-tuners, um, yes. the tendency is to wear the strings more. Do you recommend a specific model of string for D-tuners, or is that kind of part of the the package of, of using D-tuners on your banjo. Um, John or Jens, that's, that's either for either of you. Uh, you know, I would say it. some of it, I think, depends on where you're tuning that first one to. Uh, if it's one of those where you've got the you've got a lighter gauge string up to the thing and then you're tuning it down and up, um, so you're not putting too much extra tension or anything on it. Because um, I know some people will usually tune it have the um buy a thicker string so they can have a, a still a nicer sound at the at the dropped tune which means it's got a little extra tension when it's tuned up to the regular pitch um so uh i would say it is a little bit uh the nature of the beast you know because um especially depending on how how much you use that especially during a show or things like that you are changing the tension at which those strings are, are being put under. And so that will um, continual tightening and loosening of it is going to wear on that particular string or set of strings a little bit more than just tuning them up to pitch and playing it right then. 
That's very good, John. That's very true. Uh, uh, also, what I what I would say is that the, the string mainly in the D tuner, like for the B, you tune from B to A and from 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 G from G to F sharp most of the time, uh, mm-hmm. or you know for Randall and Rag maybe up to C and you know. It's like, but the biggest where is the knot. You know where mm-hmm. the string runs over the knot. This is where the string yeah. really really wears a lot, and. Um, um, a lot of people, you know, just, I mean, I used to do that. I, I take a, a pencil yep. and, and I just put a little graphite into the knot. I just, you know, just sort of take the, the string. I know what I do is, and I, it's really just very easy. I just lift the string off, you know, I don't make, I don't even loosen it. I just go in there and then I just put the string or I just lift the string up, lift the string up and just go underneath the string with the pencil and just go like that, you know, right here. You know, I can't, I can't do it in this position here, it's a little weird. But then I just put that in. So I have a little graphite in here. And then I don't have this crackling sound, you know, that, that yeah. you know, it's not happening. And, uh, and then, but, uh, but the unfortunate thing with that is you have to take that out and clean it once in a while, you know, with a, with a piece of paper or clean it out because it can become gooey um, with yep. the string being in there for a long time. But I still, the graphite is a good solution because you usually have a pencil around somewhere, you know, and if it's a special thing you need to put in there, don't try oil or anything. It's not good. It's going to deaden the string. Right, John? It's just going to yeah. inst- instant <laughs> death of a string. Yeah. <laughs> instant, instant death. But the wear, so I wouldn't worry about the string the strings in particular, if you use D strings, D tuners, don't worry about it. Just use the set you play. The, that that mm-hmm. one step, there's like, you know, guitar guitars, they bend a tremendous amount. And the strings are made for that. They can take that. That's not a problem. And even the high D string, you know, on the banjo, you can tune that easily up to a G, even to an A. You can tune that 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 10 gauge so much higher than the, the tension actually is. Let's say on a tenor banjo, the tension is <laughs> extremely high compared to a five-string banjo, right? The, 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 the tension. You always, with the A string, you go like, oh, can I tune it up without breaking it, you know? But with a, but with a five-string banjo, the strings are actually fairly loose. And mm. so don't worry about it. It's all good. The only thing is, like I said, you know, there's, there's somewhere on the knot, but that's not even significant. Sometimes if you don't have graphite in there, you run the chance of, if you're using it a lot, that the corrosion of the string can wear down the knot. Mm. So, so it is important when you play a lot of detuning things, that you, uh, tunes, that you uh, uh, consider maybe changing the strings more often because you don't want any corrosion rubbing on that knot because it's gonna wear the knot down. So make sure that you got some graphite in there or change strings frequently and that, that'll help. So that's what I would say. That. That's some great advice, guys. Thank you very much. And I have, there's a, I'm probably gonna make this the last question from, from the chat and then we'll just open it up for some closing remarks before we, before we head out. But, the Julia Bell strings, these come up a lot. Now, for those of you that don't know, the Julia Bell is uh, a banjo that we released in collaboration with Alison Brown uh, two or three years ago now. And it has its own set, which is a little bit different because the Julia Bell is designed for kind of down-tuned banjo playing, playing in an E and F and, and that kind of thing. So the gauges are a lot heavier, 12, 14, 20, 24, and 12. Um, the question that came up uh, from Colin is how would the Julia Bell string set sound on my calico 
And would these strings, because of a heavier gauge, hurt the banjo neck? Um, okay, first of all, it wouldn't, I'm sorry, do you want to, I'm, I'm sorry, I want to just jump in. Oh, oh no, go right ahead. I'm talking too much anyway. <laughs> You're just talking <laughs> over me. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. No, you go first. Well, the, the Julia Bell strings, they're, they're really fantastic, but I, I want to add to that. They will not hurt the neck. There's no way. You might would have to, you know, adjust the, um, the truss rod a little bit. This is, you know, this, this here to make the neck sort of straight. So the neck should be pretty straight. If you hold the string down here and you hold it on the, on the here, you should have just a little bit of relief here. Not much, just a little bit, you know, because the, the straighter the neck can be without rattling, the better your intonation will be. You know, the, the neck is better in tune. So, uh, so when you when you push the string down here, you can see if you have a little bit of give right here, and that's perfect. So when you put a heavier gauge set on a banjo, well, the neck will make a little bit more of a bow, right? And so mm -hmm. um, maybe you want to have to readjust that a little bit. Yeah, but you can't hurt the neck. It will not hurt the neck. But there's another, there's another slight problem. It's the strings are considerably thicker. And so the knot might be a little bit too narrow mm -hmm. for the string to, to, to go into the knot. And so there could be the possibility that, um, uh, that the, the, don't just go ahead and recut the knot, you know, make the slot wider. Uh, there's, a, there's another opportunity. Uh, and that you can do, you can take a file and uh, flatten the knot a little bit because, because actually a perfectly cut knot, you would see the top of the string sticking out just a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. The string wouldn't be just disappearing into the knot. So you can take, a, let's say, you can go to somebody that just works it down a little bit and then see if the string could sort of fit in it, right? Uh, because it looks out. Um, maybe you have to just maybe open the knot slot a little bit so the thicker string has room. Same is true for the bridge. You know, you mm -hmm. maybe have to. So you might just want to take a different bridge and just buy another smarty bridge and then make the slots a little bigger so the string can really sit in it. And just very carefully have the knot, maybe just open it up a little bit. And then you can easily go back to a regular set. It, it will not make that much of a difference. You know, you will not destroy the banjo. And if you destroy the knot, the knot is not a big operation. You can just, you know, somebody can, uh, Deering can just put a new one in. That's not, mm. not a big deal. But there it's not, but the pro, what I'm saying is um, you can't hurt the, you can't hurt the neck. And a tuned down banjo sounds great. Not just the Julia Bell, any banjo. You can put these strings on any Deering banjo uh, and it will sound fantastic. And let's say you have two banjos um, and you want to you know, have one and then you just use that one as a tuned down instrument. And then you buy these thicker strings, uh, fantastic. It's, it's mm -hmm. super sound, yes, any. John, any any thoughts on that? Uh, uh, you know, Jens hit a lot of it. I mean, the like he said, I was going to mention, you know, the truss rod, uh, and then, uh, you know, the thing too is, um, 
like you mentioned with the bridge, if you even want to go that far, um, you can have another nut recut for the heavier gauges. So then you could keep the original and then you could easily swap those out if you go to a lighter gauge. Um, using heavier strings at a slightly lower tuning though, uh, the tension you might find is very comparable to the lighter strings at a higher tension. You know, um, we find that a lot. Um, that's a big question I usually field mostly with um, bass players when they um, do something like go from standard uh, EADG tuning to BEAD tuning on a four right. string. They yes, think right. because they think because they're putting a 130 on the bottom string, it's going to have so much more tension. And it's like, no, the, the bigger string at lower tuning actually has a little bit less tension than what you're used to already. So putting the Julia Bell set on like your regular banjo probably isn't going to do anything to the, um, to the neck at all that would require, I don't know if it would require um, a truss rod adjustment at all. You know, it, you might I've be surprised. Yeah, I've tried it, and actually, I had to do a little bit of it. But just it's a little okay. bit, yeah, just but, a little, yeah. bit. very slight bit. But you could probably live without it. And and the thing is also, you know, if you have a thicker string, it's not only the tension that you have to move; you have to move the mass of the string, right? You know, so you have to give have an initial energy source that moves that extra mass of a thicker string. So mm -hmm. it feels even if the tension is similar, you know, you still mm -hmm. have to move more mass. Yeah. And but actually I found that the Julia Bell string, you know, with the thicker string, it feels awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I, I, it, it feels really, really good, you know, because there's such a, um, it feels, yeah, it's like you're eating a piece of chocolate, you know, it feels really good. It, it feels good on your hands, you know, it feels like you're moving in slow motion very precisely. And oh, cool. Yeah, it feels good. The feeling that extra mass feels really good, you know. Yeah, it's not it's not hindering at all. You know, it's beautiful. Love it. I love it. That's been a really delightful conversation. We've been talking for an hour and a half about strings. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> Watch out, Joe Rogan. We're coming for you. Well, we're all enthusiasts. You know, we're all enthusiastic about this. I think because, you know, you see, you could play any instrument. You know, you can play any instrument, but you're playing on the strings. Mm -hmm. you, actually, in the end, you're actually moving strings, right? You, Especially your right hand. Yep. Your right hand is connected to these strings no matter what instruments they're on. You know, they, you feel the the weight and the strength and the response and the, and everything you feel that in your, especially in your right hand, you know, uh, how you pluck the string. It's an amazing, and that's what I would like. That's what I would like to get. That's what I was, uh, um, how can I say it? I'm, I'm happy if that's always pretty much the same. <laughs> then I know it's not me. Then I know it's not the instrument. It's me. If it's yeah. not working. <laughs> <laughs> David Bandrowski, any any closing thoughts, closing questions before we uh, head off into the into the sunset? We covered everything on my end here. Yeah. Oh. Hey, Dave. For anyone who doesn't know, plays five string banjo and tenor banjo and guitar, so he is constantly changing strings on multiple instruments um, all the time. <laughs> yeah, David's awesome. That's right. That's right. John Moody. Yes, sir. Closing, closing thoughts from you, sir. Anything uh, uh, you'd like to add to the to before we head out? I mean, as, you know, aside from the fact that um, 
just we're elated at GHS to even be able to to work with with, with you all um, for this. I mean, as, as if you didn't know, um, one of the main founders of GHS, their son, David Holcomb, who was our artist rep for a very, very long time, a heck of a banjo player. Oh. Uh, and he he was actually probably the, the driving force behind our bluegrass presence. So to be able to kind of build upon that legacy on our end by being able to help you with your legacy is just uh, we're 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 elated, you know. As are we, as are we. I think we can all agree. We're we're strings. There's a lot of people commenting that they've learned a lot from this, which is awesome. That's always the goal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, strings are more than just the metal things that hang over the fingerboard that they can make a real difference to how your instrument sounds and feels and, and produces the notes. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're stoked to be a part of, of uh, the relationship with GHS. And then Jens obviously is a long time GHS user. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes a perfect, uh, perfect combination. Well, I, I am just, I'm just, um, I'm really happy, you know, that, that uh, GHS is uh, with, with Deering, uh, because it's just a perfect match, you know. It's uh, it works really, really well, and uh, not only of what we think, also of what most professionals players, you know, have mm. experienced, you know, over the years with GHS strings and 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 the banjo in particular. You know, I think GHS and banjo is is a very special marriage, and so for me, this is. And I I want to thank you also, John. You know, for the. Um, uh, for the innovations, you know, you keep on pushing and uh, all the things you're looking at, you know, I know it's a, it's a tough world out there and we're all trying, you know, to do the best possible product and uh, you're not, um, you're still up in Battle Creek, you know, doing you, oh, yeah. um, doing your thing. And I, it's just beautiful to know that you, that you're so um, true to yourself and to the company and trying to, you know, uh, come up with, you know, better solutions of packing and uh, new ideas of string wrapping and winding. And, and I, I'm just, I'm just happy, you know, just keep us posted with all the things you do, you know, maybe we can use it for the banjo as well. Oh, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. absolutely. Actually, I, I will just close with this. One of, one of the early comments in this and just reading from my second screen, it's not that just in case anybody tuning in thinks I'm looking away from the camera. I'm not, yeah. I have two screens and I'm reading. Yeah. I mean, why would actually once you use two screens, why would you go back to one? I, I completely agree with you, hundred um, percent. Somebody said he asked the question, "What is different about the Deering strings now that they're made by GHS?" And and I wrote back in in the chat here, you know, at the moment it's really just that they're they're Deering specific gauges, the gauges that we came up with, um, and that's kind of where we're at. But you know, just a closing note. It, it seems like a perfect opportunity to, as we go down the line, we're in very much in the infancy of this new, uh, new start of this relationship. I look forward to working with, with Jens and, and David and, and John and everyone here at Deering and, and GHS to, to see what else we can come up with for the banjo and start pushing that envelope forward as well. So, Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be fun. Um, Mr. Kruger, it would be terrible if we didn't ask you to play us out. Would you mind? No, not at all. There we go. All right. Guys, uh, everybody watching, thank you so, so much for tuning in again. Um, we'd love doing these things. And I think even after after the COVID stuff dies down, we can all go out to events again. I hope that's sooner rather than later, but we're going to continue these because they were a lot of fun. We love you guys tuning in. Um, Mr. Kruger, now that he has restrung at least two of his strings right. during this session. Well, thanks, guys. 
we'll see you next week thank you all thank you all that's fantastic Good night. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe out there. Y'all take care. Bye-bye.